The virtual CISO moment is brought to you by VCISO Services, a leading provider of quality and experienced virtual chief information security officers for small and mid-sized businesses. Check them out at vcisoservices.com. Hi, I'm Greg Schaefer, and welcome to the Virtual CISO Moment. Aaron Robel joins us today. He is the VP of Information Security and CISO for WSCECU. Aaron, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Greg. Yeah, happy to be here. Um, it's... I love your look today, by the way. Uh, <laughs> well, and of course, you're kind of used to this because, and I know we talked about this before the full uh, the, the podcast began, but but um, we've known each other for some time, um, initially starting with our associations with the FSI SAC in yeah. the financial services world. And then for a while, we worked together in our little firm, VC So Services, where you were doing um, some consultant work with us. So appreciate all that. So it's kind of like cool to see you again. It's been a few it months. Is. You're looking Great. good. It's been a while since we had an opportunity to catch up. So, yeah, it's awesome. So tell me about your cyber story. How did you and why did you first get into cybersecurity? Because it's a it's not like, like, you know, little kids starting to, uh, they're growing up. It's like, they think about, they want to be firemen or policemen or whatever, astronauts, but <laughs> yeah, not how many people want to say, I want to be a cyber person. Uh, why did you get involved with it? How did you get involved and, uh, lead us all the way up to what you're doing now for the credit union? Sure. And I'll try to be as brief as I can. Uh, I could give you the whole backstory going back to when I was a kid, you know, and all that, but I did grow up in a very technology forward household. Uh, so I have two other brothers and all of us are in technology. Um, so it probably stemmed from there, but, uh, I don't know, it's been over 20 years since I've, you know, got, gotten into the industry. And I started with, uh, I think I was just on that track for, for security because of where I started, I started on the help desk at WatchGuard Technologies, which is a firewall manufacturer in Seattle, Washington. And so through that, I learned, you know, we used firewalls for everything to keep costs down. So I automatically just jumped into the field of security, just being at that at that organization. Um, and then it stemmed from there. I went to the state after WatchGuard and I worked for the state's chief information security officer, grew there into a management role. Um, you know, as I started out as a security engineer, then tech lead for all, all of the perimeter security, then moved up to architect and then moved up to, to managing the infrastructure team that I started on. Um, and then after that, I saw this opportunity with WSCCU to, to build a program. Um, I had to take a step back from my leadership role. Uh, but I saw the, you know, the opportunities in the future. And so I went to WSCCU and I've been there ever since. I uh, started out as the senior security engineer. And then in 2000, what was it, 15 or 16, I was uh, uh, had the opportunity to take on kind of the CISO role as the vice president of information security. And that's what I still am today. So we have a a similar path in some respects and that we were both in government for a while and then um, migrated to financial services. I'm curious is when you, when you made that migration to financial services, obviously um, FIs are uh, financial institutions, heavily regulated industry. Um, did you, what sort of challenges did you find with, with that, with that movement? Um, so going for, I would say the tougher move for me was going from, uh, kind of a small scale, uh, um, technology manufacturing company to the state where it was heavily regulated. That move was like, 
I got my face blown off when I started at, at that job with all the regulations <laughs> and the politics and all of that of in state government that, that naturally occur. And then I think it was a little bit easier uh, move and transition from government where I had gotten used to all of the regulations and, and, and all of that, and then moved to uh, the financial sector and the credit union industry uh, where, where that kind of stuff was, uh, you know, uh, the norm. Um, so, uh, but the, you know, every one of them, it's, it's the, uh, a different side of the same coin, I would say, as far as how regulations are different between the state and, you know, the financial industry or healthcare industry or any of the industries, they all kind of are, are just different shades of that same, that same, uh, uh, look and feel. Well, and certainly um, regulatory pressures, requirements, um, however you want to call it, that could that could be one challenge for um, the the any size um, uh, financial institution. Um, uh, but WSCEU, WSECU. I know it's a bit me. of a mouthful. Yeah. So, so uh, it, that would be considered a small to mid-sized, like a community institution, right? Yeah, we are. Uh, let's see, we, we just we tripped over four billion in assets. Um, I think we're going to be at a four and a half year short shortly. So, um, kind of larger in the credit union space, but overall for financial institutions, definitely in the small to medium-sized uh, um, financial organization. And I guess I should kind of backpedal for a moment. I did I did mention an acronym, and I know we have so many acronyms in our field, but I mentioned the acronym FSISAC, and there may not be oh, yeah. folks that understand what FSISAC is or FS-ISAC. That is the Financial Services Information Sharing and Analysis Center. It was one of the earlier, um, what they call ISACs, Information Sharing and Analysis Center, which is a... Uh, methodology really uh, uh, for for verticals to exchange information and you're you're involved with fsisec to this day right yeah no i i uh, that was the first so when i moved over from the state that was because at the state we were part of the msisac the multi-state yes. isac and so i had a lot of experience at the state with the isacs and, and the value of sharing and all of that that it brought to the table and so when I became the, you know, when I came on at WSCCU, that was one of the first things I did. So that was like 2013, we became members of the FSISAC. And yeah, we've been members ever since. And you joined the Community Institution Council that one of the uh, co-directors co there was a pretty cool person, if I remember correctly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's where I got introduced, at least virtually, to, to Greg and uh, before he made the transition into this kind of stuff. I, I used to joke that I used to collect ISACs because, yeah, I, before FS... I was MS because I was a CISO for Metro Nashville, Davidson County. Yeah. So multi-state also has local governments as far as uh, uh, members. And then prior to that, um, part of the REN ISAC, which is the Research and Educational uh, Network, I believe is what REN right. stand, stands for. So, but um, haven't really joined any since then. So, <laughs> but, but one of the things I know when I made the transition and I wasn't in government nearly as long as you, at least the local government, I was there only for about a year and a half. And so it was probably more of a, of a um, shock for me going to um, uh, the banking industry. Um, of course, banking and credit unions, people, they equate them, but there are some differences, but a majority of the issues that you find are going to be similar. Would you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, the regulations are, are a bit different between the FDIC and the NCUA. But as far as what we all share together, like you're talking about the kick or the community institutions, um, 
uh, council with the FSISAC, we are all battling the same battles and fights as far as our size, what we can do, you know, the, the, the programs we run, all of those things are very similar. So what would you uh, think that right now, just thinking about um, the, the credit union space and the threat landscape out there, what, what would you think is a, a very significant information security, cybersecurity threat to um, credit unions right now? Yeah, I mean, obviously, everybody's talking about ransomware and the, you know, that evolution. But I think that what, what I've seen more recently, especially for growing institutions, um, is that if you don't look at your whole program and make sure that everything is keeping pace with the complexity of, say, your technology or digital space, some things can get left behind. And one of those that I think I feel like is getting left behind uh, across a lot of my peers and in a lot of those areas as as organizations grow is vendor management. And, you know, a big part of that is is the risk, you know, ransomware risk is is prevalent in, in, in your vendor community, just like it is for for us. And no matter how strong your program is, um, if you have a weak vendor out there that you're sharing your confidential information with, that's where you're that's where the weak link in the chain is. So uh, it's not sexy and glamorous because it's all contracts and SLAs and and all of that due diligence and due care that you have to do against that, that, those vendors. But that's where I've seen a lot of the, the kind of more recent impacting incidents and breaches in financial industry has been coming from those third parties. And also our industry is moving to more towards using partners and vendors and you know, X, you know, whatever the SaaS solutions are that we're pivoting to or information or infrastructure as a service, all of those things are putting added pressure on vendor management. But I see that being lagging in a lot of organizations. And uh, so that's where I see one of the, the biggest risks in our industry right now. That is very interesting that you say that, because as you were talking, I, I had one of those memories from when I started with a CISO for the bank that, um, that was actually the most mature vertical, it seemed like at the time, as far as vendor management. Other folks didn't really um, pay much diligence, it seemed like, at least as much as they should have. Um, it was very it was very hard for folks in other areas to know what at the point at that time was a SAS 70 or that became a SOC 1. And of course, we have the SOC 2s now. Uh, well, we, well, we've had the SOC 2s for, what, 12, 13 years now. Um, so, so to hear that it's still a struggle in financial services is interesting because I would extrapolate that to say that probably in other verticals, it is even more of a struggle. At the very least, that's one of the things we've seen through um, our mm -hmm. little firm uh, working, working for folks. Um, but you also mentioned uh, a, an interesting um, I won't say it's something new, but it's it's it certainly has accelerated over the years, and that is the offloading of some of the tactical review aspects to, to SaaS providers. Um, do you see do you see that as potentially being a positive, a negative, or or a mix of that? And I've got a follow up as to the reason why I'm asking that. Oh uh, well, I think that there. You know, I look at our own organization, and, and in some ways, we've we've held off on adoption of things like Office 365 and all of that because we just we really are are good about what is the actual ROI that we want to see, and we hadn't seen that in our reviews of of going that direction. And I think that that paradigm has shifted to where 
moving to those SaaS providers or or uh, is is a lot of value. And most of them have come up to par where the their security programs are in in many ways better than our own in the smaller industry because they have uh, many uh, a lot more resources they can apply to it. And, and so from that perspective, I think there's been this shift to where it just doesn't make sense to have a lot of these typical enterprise workloads and uh, um, uh, business support capabilities on-prem anymore. Um, they've matured to the point where uh, now the, the operational overhead is higher if you manage it on-prem than you if you just offload it to that vendor. And then you have your resources can pivot to more higher value areas within your program. And it's, I'm even doing it within our own security program where we just last year adopted a cloud-based SIM provider um, so that I can take my, my security analyst and have him focus on higher value areas within our program, whether that's automation, mm-hmm. testing our controls, all of those things, rather than just, you know, watching the wire and responding to alerts. So um, I think that's what more and more people are starting to see with the value of going those directions and offloading some of that lower value work um, so that they can focus on what's going to bring value to their membership or what's going to bring value to the business. And the more that you do that, the more now you have to put an emphasis on vendor management. And as you mentioned before, there are there are organizations that help with that. Um, Do you see um, uh, and I don't want to name any, but but you you know what I'm talking about. Um, do, do you see uh, that as being generally a positive or are there some negatives associated with that? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 we went down the whole, uh, we have a SaaS GRC solution that we use and, mm-hmm. you know, we, we've had it for five or six years. And we thought that, you know, moving from spreadsheets to that solution was going to be the game changer for how we manage vendors and how we manage our risk, ma- uh, our risk management program and all of these things. And I would say that uh, I, I think there's there's pros and cons to that, and and every solution we've looked at has negatives and uh, challenges. Um, but at the same time, there there is some of the, those automation capabilities that move beyond uh, what we were able to do, you know, when it was like spreadsheets, that kind of thing. So I think they that it's a necessary evil to move to as far as uh, uh, one of those kind of GRC programs to help manage vendors because you can build workflows, you can build automation. And so hopefully you're reducing the resource load on maybe your contract administrator to go out and you know knock on doors to make sure that your, your contract owners are doing their due diligence um, and that kind of thing. So I think from that perspective, it's brought a, a, some value. But uh, at the end of the day, sometimes there's added complexity to that value where a spreadsheet's a lot simpler to use. Well, and you have also with vendor management, one of the key components, and there are folks that will say that this is good, this is bad, this is indifferent, that's too much relied upon. But um, the um, review of those those third-party audits, which more likely than not, at least here in the United States, are going to be a SOC too. But uh, financial services for some for some providers they they undergo examinations, for example, and you can get like the exams from the regulators and all of that and follow a very specific process. But as far as like vendor due diligence with, with doing a vendor review in a SOC 2, um, I have often been of the opinion that the, the company needs to be more involved with performing the SOC 2 review because they can understand not only what the service is doing for them, but they also understand some of the risks. And a lot of times people don't understand the concept of the complementary user entity controls, which they don't miss. And so 
and and I, I this could just be a simple you agree or disagree or have have additional input, but sometimes I see that we these... always have additional input, Greg. <laughs> I'm counting on it. Um, <laughs> sometimes I think these vendor management uh, as a service providers, they'll go and they'll review like SOC 2s and they'll come back with a report and say everything's all right. Yeah. But I'm sorry. I, 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 I think that those the, when you talk about some of those vendors that are providing that additional third party service review, uh, a lot of times what I've seen in that is it's simply a check the box um, right. isn't because they don't know our business. Right. So they right. don't know what the risks are to our business. And so you do need to have, uh, um, you know, somebody who's knowledgeable about risk and knowledgeable about, you know, your own business performing those those do care uh, uh, um, tasks and things. Um, we have not gone down that path. So, uh, while we have the, the SAS GRC, they have those bundled services. We haven't gone down the path of, of leveraging, uh, their reviews of those, you know, like a SOC 2 or, or that kind of thing. Well, I, I remember that even back in the day when I was, um, um, CISO for, for a bank, um, I really tried to get the business units involved with, mm -hmm the process of at least look at the SOC 2. And, and, and sometimes I, I, with me, not, I wasn't offloading. It was like, um, well, first of all, and I really need to know this, does this SOC 2 cover the service yeah. that you're subscribed to? Because you know, as well as I do that sometimes um, there, there are SOC 2s that companies have done, but it's for a portion of their service or offering. And and I think that, again, I think you're right. And I think this is the true risk here. And then this is why I'm kind of pinging on this, because I think vendor management in general for small and mid-sized businesses is a bigger risk than people realize, because I think that they're migrating it in their mind towards a check the box and really creating more gaps there. Well, and I think that they're also thinking they're transferring the risk to the vendor and they're not. Exactly. You you cannot you cannot offload the responsibility of maintaining confidentiality of your information, no matter what you do. Yeah, no matter what. I mean, you could write the best contract in the world and have all the great SLAs, but when the breach at that vendor occurs, you are still held accountable to your customer or your members or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's you, your reputation that's being damaged, and regardless if you can go and even get the uh, uh, um you know, through insurance and everything, you can cover your real cost. There is that damage that's done. And so you need to still make sure that you're doing due diligence and due care. And the other thing I would say is that a lot of programs that I see out there are good about onboarding the vendor and getting all the data and even going through, you know, beyond the SOC 2 where you're doing an additional assessment, as you know, Greg, <laughs> with some of your clients, that becomes almost its own uh, beat, beat your head against the wall with every CISO trying to figure out how to trip you up. Uh, with yeah. their own assessments and things. So that's all great. But what happens after you've onboarded that vendor? And that's where a lot of that continuous monitoring and care to ensure that that vendor still continues to meet your your uh, expectations is in place with the vendor management program. And that's where, you know, you don't necessarily have the resources to do something like that in a small to medium sized enterprise. So um, sometimes it, it's really great. We're really great about onboarding that new vendor because it's a new shiny thing. We can put them through the process, but then once they're in the system, it's like, then we forget about it. Um, and we really need to think about that ongoing care of that, of that vendor and making sure that, you know, they still continue to have their SOC 2 and we're still reviewing that SOC 2. It's not just, oh, we got the new one, check the box, move on with our day. Um, so that's one of the, that's a, another big area I, I've seen in, in the vendor management space that gets forgotten about along with 
The second one I've seen is where a lot of people put in, you know, the, a new GRC and they're really good about all the new vendors coming on board. But what about that one you signed the contract for back in 2010? Uh, those kind of get grandfathered in and we forget about them. And that's another area I think, you know, that uh, is challenging from a resource perspective to review all, you know, take your good rigorous process now and then apply it to all those old vendors, you know, maybe your core vendor that you're using from a financial perspective that's been in place for 20 years. They still need to go through that same rigor and make sure you, you have eyes wide open on where there's gaps in their program potentially. Yeah, and and a big chunk of that is, has to start with too understanding where your information is and how it's flowing and how it's protected. And uh, yeah, and and you brought up a good point um, about the um, small midsize uh, organizations that they it's sometimes difficult for them to to kind of get a handle on this. Which I I would then say that hey, you know that's what a virtual CISO can help with. So thank you for lobbing that software. I really <laughs> yeah, appreciate that. I'm here for you, Greg. Um, so all this stuff with the concerns of, um, cyber and certainly there's, there's, uh, I would say that in some ways there's maybe not more, but there's certainly a different element of stress when it comes to financial services, it, 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 prepping for an exam, a financial service regulatory exam is unlike, uh, what you would see in, in, in a lot of other areas, particularly those who have never had to deal like a regulatory deal with a regulatory exam. Um, a lot of stress involved sometimes, and you can't be you can't be stressed out twenty four by seven by three sixty five. What's one of the things that you do for? Here's your softball. Uh, what's one of the things that you do uh, to uh, to help decompress from all of this? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I I'm very passionate about what I do, and I I take a very um, I take a lot of personal responsibility and personal ownership in, in the security program at WSCCU. And so <laughs> sometimes it's difficult because of, of the stress that brings on. So one thing that I am doing long-term is I'm trying to retire early so that we'll see if that ever pencils out, but that's my, I'm hoping to rip cord out of the industry before the stress eats me alive. Um, yeah. uh, so there's that, but, uh, but as far as the ongoing thing, I've always been an Alpine uh, mountaineer. So uh, that's been my thing for many, many years, uh, until last year when I really screwed up my shoulders, uh, uh, sailing, uh, out sailing. So I screwed up my shoulders. And so the Alpine climbing thing may or may not be, uh, something I can continue. So this year I'm changing up the game. I'm trying something new. Uh, I'm, so I'm doing obstacle course racing this year. I have like, uh, seven, I think seven, seven races lined up that, uh, I'm going to be doing. The first one is this weekend down in Portland, Oregon a 5k obstacle course race called the muddy Valentine that I'll be participating in. So, uh, those are, those, are, it's not just those races, but it's, um, one, I always like to sign up for things to, to hold myself accountable to all of the preparatory things I need to do with my diet, exercise, all of those things. And, and the accountability is that race in the future. Um, and so all of that, that whole process, whether it's me documenting it in my spreadsheet of what I've done, tracking everything on my on all of my devices. I have like three different devices now that I'm tracking all my data on for all this stuff. So it's all of that that takes my mind off of the stress at work. Yeah. Um, and and it you know this year it's OC, OCR or obstacle course racing. Next year it could be something else. Who knows? Well, I and and I, I kind of joked that that was going to be a softball question because I knew how you would answer. We've we talked <laughs> about the importance of uh, uh, physical activity, physical fitness, mm -hmm. good nutrition, 
Um, really, it's not just words. One of the things, and, you and I'm going to get on, on that, Greg. Uh, you know, I, 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 I could. I'm going to get on my soapbox just for a quick second and say that there are a lot of folks out there that they joke in the security field that you know um, that that they're decompresses. You know, they 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 drink. You go to conferences, and what it's the first yeah. thing you have afterwards. You have, and it's like, oh, wait a minute. Well, I like to see a conference where. Instead of like, you know, them opening up the, the the bar afterwards, why don't we like, you know, all collectively do a run or something or a walk or something like that? I mean, you could still. Yeah, no, I love that idea. Have some sort of a, a camaraderie and have a vendor sponsor it or something. I mean, yeah. uh, VCSO will sponsor a 5K during uh, RSA. I, I'm just putting that out there right now. If RSA, if you want to do it, well, well, it depends on how much you're going to charge us. but. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, no, I think that that's great. And uh, um, I, I've always wanted to try to do those obstacle runs. And uh, um, I've, I've obviously talked about running before and I, I just maybe one of these days, but I want to enjoy my retirement too. So my advice to you is don't burn yourself out either way, whether it be like in the job or, you know, physically. You know, yeah. enjoy the retirement. I, I I tell people that the reason why I do my functional workout right now, I know I've mentioned this to you before, is so that when I'm 85, I can get off the toilet by yeah, myself. That's that's my whole goal too. Although at yeah. some sometimes because everything I do, I do 110. Um, mm -hmm. Sometimes I worry about just that, like overdoing it on on uh, the way that I exercise, leading to more problems when I'm 85 because of me trying to be healthy now. And then hurting my shoulders as a prime example of that, blowing out my knee playing basketball, you know, a few years ago. So there's that balance. And sometimes I don't do a good job of striking balance in uh, in the exercise stuff because well, I always have some kind of crazy goal that I'm after. Core may be a four letter word, but core is so important because core is what makes everything makes the world go round. So. Well, what uh, future plans do you have? I, I know you uh, um, yeah, talked about that eventually you want to retire so that you can enjoy a nice a nice um, uh, quality of life retirement early. Um, you on track for that or you have other plans? Yeah, no, I am on track for that, depending on, you know, the markets are always fickle. Um, but uh, um, as far as where I'm going, I, I don't know. Um, I've done a, I've done a lot of reflection over the over the last year year or so. And um, definitely, uh, I've, I've been fortunate where I'm at, uh, with the, the scenario that played out for me at WSCCU and everything that's been built there and the team that's there, um, and the program that's been built. So, uh, I love, uh, having the autonomy to build and fix things. Um, so I'm always on the lookout on, on, uh, for where that is, whether that's within WSCCU or not. Um, I love, I'm just passionate about whatever I do. Uh, whether that's leadership or, you know, fixing broken, broken things. And I, you know, so I don't know where it's going to lead to. Um, but, uh, but I do enjoy, and I enjoy, enjoy the process and I've enjoyed it so far. Don't know where I'm going, but I sure know where I've been. Yeah. <laughs> well, Aaron, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure catching up with you. I always enjoy it. It's been too long. Uh, hope, hope that we have a conversation again sooner than six months yes. since the last time we talked. So. Definitely. Well, thank you, Greg. This was a, a fun. It always is. And again, I just have to call out the, the whole thing you got going on there. I love the hat and all of the <laughs> atmosphere that you've created there. It's fantastic. Love it. Well, it's, it looks like a junk store, but it works. So, well, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. And everybody, stay secure. <laughs>